Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We've been talking about togetherness. We've been talking about for the gospel's sake. And we haven't gotten to the other part of our um, title of the series, which is Loving, which we'll cover uh, in either next week or the week after next. It's very important for us to know that each message that I give, it comes together into one. I'm giving them in, in, in five, I'm giving five messages, five parts, but they are, they are really one message. We can't give a, a five-hour message, so we're doing it in parts. What I want you to do is try to put those parts together. If you miss one, what I would like for you to do is go online, and it's online, the notes online, the audio is online, and you can download it in. Uh, and, and, and listen to it because I think it's very important uh, for us. I believe that God is letting us know that unity is very important to him, which we talked about last week, how, how important really is unity to him. This week, we're going to talk about why. Now, let's start off in First Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter 1. Let's start off there. Now, it is one thing that for you to know how important, how important something is. It's like you might be teaching your son or daughter how to drive, and you tell them it's important for them to really pay attention, really to them, for them to learn what you're trying to teach them, and they know it's important, but they don't, really don't know how important it is until you tell them why. And if you explain to them, look, uh, you, you're not really, uh, you haven't been studying the book, you, haven't, you cannot make left turns in front of people. And, and they might think, well, well, why can't I make a left turn in front of somebody? Because as uh, long as they have room enough to slow down and miss me, it'll be okay. And, and you say, well, no, that's not, that's not what we do. You have to remember that I'm trying to teach you how to drive to save your life. That takes on a whole different ball game when they know their life is at stake, and if they take take a left turn in front of somebody, it could it could uh, damage the car, roll over, and they could die. Then it's a whole different ball game. Sometimes God doesn't tell us why. He doesn't tell us why He says things, why He asks us to do things, and we're supposed to obey. I want to share with you five reasons I believe why. God holds unity so high. And we say unity because I can use togetherness. I can use oneness. All those words are interchangeable. So in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's start in verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and, and discipline. And the King James says, sound mind. Now, <clears throat> Paul is talking to Timothy. He's writing a letter to Timothy, uh, his spiritual son. And he says in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. For the gospel. Verse 9, Who has saved us, speaking of God, who have saved us 
and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Jesus Christ for all eternity, but now has revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, sometimes we think that the enemy or things that we do is going to really upset all of eternity, but it's not. God has a plan. And if you look on your uh, bulletins, on the back of your bulletin, it'll tell you uh, one of the reasons why I believe that God holds unity so important is because God really is a God of purpose. He's a God of purpose. It says here, according to his own purpose. God has a purpose, and this purpose is from all eternity. All eternity. And we think sometimes, well, Adam, Adam messed up. And then God had to change his plan. He had to go through a whole bunch of uh, uh, changes because of what Adam did. God had a plan from all eternity. All eternity. And whatever we do, we're not going to sabotage his plan. It's not going to happen. Because he has, he has a plan that, well, if this happens, this is going to happen. Because he already knows from all eternity what's going to happen. He already knows. Now, what he has done, it says, now, not only is he a God of purpose, but he's a God of of order. Order. Now you say, well, he's a God of purpose, he's a God of order. What, what does this have to do with unity? Without purpose, without unity, without purpose and God order, you can't have unity. You just can't have unity. It's not going to happen. And, and you, you know that. If, if, you, if you did not have a driving manual, you didn't have any uh, road signs, no speed limits, no nothing, then there would be chaos on the road. <laughs> and people don't obey it now, <laughs> even though we have it, and sometimes it seems like chaos. With unity comes before that, order and purpose. You say, well, okay, that's good. Look at the second one on your sheet. You have it, you have it right here. If, if you don't have it, it's on the board. Number two right there. It says here, God has a purpose and an order for everything in the universe. And his instructions, his instructions that he gives, they must be followed and if those instructions are not, not going to be followed, then what happens is that his design purpose, his design goes, his design outcome is not going to happen. 
So he altered. And everything, number three, everything in the universe was created. Everything in the universe was created. And it was created to glorify God. It was. And that's what it has here. Now, if you don't have a creation, everything is created, and you don't have it to glorify God, you're not going to have order either. You're not going to have purpose. God created everything to work together. You remember he said in Romans, all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That's what it said. Everything created was created to work together. Let's look at some of it, okay? Let's look at and start in Genesis. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Let's start there. God is a God of purpose. God is a God of order. So when he says, let there be light, in verse 3, and there was light, has light ceased to exist? In verse 11, when he said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them, and it was so, has it ceased? Everything that God created, he created to work together. When he says in verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. It is still going on. Still going on. Order. Wouldn't it be really a sad thing if God was not a God of purpose, if he was not a God of order, and he just said, whatever it be, be. It doesn't matter. Whatever, it, whatever you want to do, do it. Can you imagine what would be going on with this creation he's created? Because just the lights in the expanse, just day and night, suppose night decided it was going to be night all the time. And then day said, no, I want to be day sometime. And you had an argument between day and night. <laughs> and sometime the day ruled out, sometime the night ruled out. So sometime we might go six months or six days, just darkness. And sometimes, you know, the water might say, hey, I don't care about what God says. I can, we have more of us than you have of you, land." So therefore, if you ever looked on a globe before, how much water is it compared to the land? Why doesn't the water just get mad and just overtake all the land and there's no more land? Because it could do that, couldn't it? Why, 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 doesn't, why, does, why doesn't it do that? Because God is a God of purpose. God is a God of order. And God said it's going to be seasons. God says it's going to, uh, this water, you're going to come this far and no more. And it's not going to come any further unless something intervenes with that 
like an earthquake or whatever might happen. And then you might have a tsunami. You might have something. Uh, but as long as this earth remains, the rain not going to say, I'm going to just rain and rain and rain and nobody going to stop me. They're not gonna, it's not going to do that because God already said, never again will I destroy the earth with water. No more. That means it will not happen. Is that correct? Because he made a covenant with creation. And he said that it's not going to happen. And when you see the board in the sky, you'll know, I'll, I'll see this thing and I'll say, okay, hum, no more. It's not going to happen. God is a God of purpose. God is a God of order. And that brings unity to the universe. Wouldn't it be sad if the other, you know, uh, things out there like Mars, Jupiter, all them, say, look, Earth, they think they're something. Because we're going to come, let's sabotage it. You, you come at them one day, and I'm going to just run right on into them and knock them over. And then if I don't get them, then you get them. Suppose that that happened. Well, Mars, Jupiter, all of them, Venus, they are the same place that God put them. And it's not going anywhere but where God says it can go. From the time you were born to the time you die, it's going to still be the same unless God changes it. God's the God of order. God's the God of design. Wouldn't it be sad if all the flowers say, woo-woo, we're going to come out in the wintertime? Yeah. Have you ever wondered why flowers don't come out in the wintertime? Well, now, could, <laughs> you say it's because it's cold. Well, <laughs> just think about it now. Just think about it. God has a purpose. God has a design. He has an order for things. And what is God trying to accomplish in this order? Everything is pointing and speaking of the gospel and speaking of Jesus Christ. When, 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 it's, when it's warm on the earth in this part of, of, of the world, Lynchburg, Virginia, then how far are we from the sun? You know, you know the, closer, the closer we get, the warmer it gets, and therefore uh, things sprout, things spring up. Things get beautiful, don't they? Yeah. God has a purpose. He has a design. I wonder what, what happens when the closer we get to the Son of God. Huh? Things happen, don't they? It happens. Good things happen. God has a purpose. God has a design. It brings unity. It brings oneness. Let's look at another place here. Let's go to verse 27 in chapter 1. God created man in his own image, and in the, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the living things that moves on the earth. God is a God of order. He's a God of purpose. Purpose. Why did he make that statement? See, he had a purpose, didn't he? 
had a purpose. And have you ever seen movies that try to contradict what God says? Um, you've seen, what, it was a movie a long time ago called, was it The Birds or something like that? Huh? The Birds. And the birds try to take over. You know? <laughs> well, see, God said, no, no, no. You're not going to take over. Man, you subdue it. You're going to rule over the fish. You're going to rule over the birds. God is a God of purpose and order. If he didn't, if he didn't put that order, there would not be unity in the universe. Let's, let's look at it a little further. Then God said, Behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and everything that moves on the earth which is, has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. If Adam would have decided he's going to obey God, then God's order and design would have been that the animals won't eat people. But the way it is now, you can go and, and, and pet a lion, lion if you want to when you go to Africa and find out uh, whether you're going to have hands or not. Yeah. But see, it was not that, supposed to be that way. We need to, when God gives instructions, it's supposed to be followed, isn't it? It's supposed to be followed. Very important. God's a God of purpose. He's a God of order. And it takes that in in order to have unity. Let's go a little further. In chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east of, in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. He said, every tree, I mean every tree in that garden, was pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Were they good for food? Were they good for sight? Yeah, they were. Verse 15, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. So God told him why he didn't want him to eat from it. But, of course, we know the end result. He did. He ate from it. And so then things had to change. He had to change. So then he told Noah and his family, you can eat now this and that and all these kind of things like that because of the things and consequences came. I don't want consequences for not following God's purpose and God's order. Because there are consequences. Let's go to another one. 
Let's go to the look at your sheet or, or the board there. It has the next two down here. Because it causes all that God has to come upon you. It causes all that God has to come upon you. All that he has for you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Do you want all that God has for you to come upon you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why God wants unity so much because he wants you to have all that he has for you because it'll bring glory to him. It does not glorify God when we, as his creation in his image, has given things to us, but we cannot do what he asks us to do because of consequences. See, it doesn't glorify him if somebody needs healing and he has said that Jesus Christ fulfilled that which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, that he took our infirmities and bore our diseases in Matthew. He said that. Now, if he said that, and Jesus, that was after he healed people, after he cast out demons, then he says, this was done to fulfill that which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, that he, I took your infirmities and bore your diseases, that means that we're supposed to be doing that. Now, God is not glorified if he's given us that to do, but yet we can't do it because of consequences. Adam was not supposed to be kicked out of the garden, but he was. Adam was not supposed to be separated from God, but he was. There are consequences. I don't want consequences. I want all that you have, God. That's what I want. Let's, let's, um, let's look at a place. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Let me, let me, let me, let's drive it home a little bit. Now, this is a, uh, uh, one of the things that God does. He, 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 he would test, test us. And that testing us is not tempting us. It's testing us. To see where we stand, so we'll know where we stand. He knows where we stand. And so he can bring us to another level, to a higher level, when we pass the test. And he expects us to pass the test because he's already given us the answers. Now, verse 1 Now it came about after these things that God tested up Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, Here I am. Now, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He sat the donkey, and he took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son, and split the wood for the burnt offering and the rose and went out to the place which God had told him. 
On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Now, did God tell him that? No. What did God tell him? Go and sacrifice your only son as a burnt offering. Okay. Now, he says, now, what, what did Abraham know that sometimes we act like we don't know? See, he knows his God. He knows that God has told him through Isaac, I'm going to raise up descendants from you, for you, through Isaac. So if God told him that, he knew that, hey, I have a covenant of God. It, it's, this is a done deal. This is not going to, whatever God says, I'm going to do it because he has a, he has a purpose and he has order. God does not lie. My God doesn't lie. So therefore, I'm going to do exactly what he says do. And I know that this son, my only son, is going to live. One way or the other, he's going to live. And I don't care which one it is. One way or the other. Because God has a purpose. See, we don't, we, sometimes we act like we don't know that. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on, a, um, on Isaac, his son, and took his hand, the fire and the knife, and took his hand, the fire and the knife, so that the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham. His father said, hey, father, hey, look here. It is interesting. Uh, I'm just taking liberty here. And said, here I am, my son. Uh, behold, uh, the fire and the wood, uh, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. How about that? Jehovah Jireh, he'll provide, won't he? Uh, for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. Then they came to the place. Did Abraham lie to his son? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Would he have slayed him? Absolutely, he would have. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Let me tell you, God doesn't show up a lot of times, but to the last, you know. See if see if see if uh, if it had been us, we'd say, "Well, I'm gonna act like I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. I'm not gonna kill him." Say, God already knows our thoughts <laughs> before we think it, so he 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 just sit there and wait. He just sit there and wait till you get serious about this thing. So we, he knew that he was going to slay the son. And he says, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. Oh, now listen, to, this, this is awesome right here. Listen, for now, for now, I know 
that you fear God. For now I know you reverence God to the point you're going to be obedient to him regardless of what he asks you to do. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, of course, he saw the ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the lamb, a ram, and offered him up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, which is, which is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, as it is said to, the, to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord, whoo, my goodness gracious. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars are in the heavens and as the sand is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God expects us to follow his instructions in order to Receive all that he has for us. All that he has for you, he expects you to follow his instruction to a T. Follow it. And, and everything going to come upon you that he has for you. And I said, wow. 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 I could take it to so many places. Do you know that Saul, King Saul, could have been renowned. He could have been, he could have been, I mean, he could have been it. I mean, he could have been the man. But he, didn't, he wouldn't obey God. So all that God had for Saul didn't come upon Saul. Saul got consequences. And God found someone else that would obey his voice. Oh, saints, we want to get all that God has for us. And God wants to give us all that he has for us. And he says that unity is so important. And, and see, so you say, well, now wait a minute. This didn't have nothing to do with unity because it had everything to do with unity. Everything to do with unity. Unity starts with, between us and God. That's where you need to start, really. You don't have to have anybody else in the room, anybody else in the world. It starts between you and God. That's where you need to start. And without that, you won't have unity to God kind of unity with anybody else. Because as I said before, you, know, you, can, have, you can have some unity with somebody. Y'all can get, be unified, as unified as you want to be, and go rob a bank. And it won't, it won't, you know, it won't be God kind of unity. Y'all be unified in jail. You know, that's what you'll be, you see. We want all that God has for us. And, and, and when he pronounced that, when he pronounced that on Abraham, 
Do you realize how, how I mean, we, we're talking about Jesus Christ. All nations are blessed because of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the seed of Abraham. Ooh, and we're Abraham's seeds if we'd be Christ, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let, let's, take, let's go to another place. Deuteronomy 28. Let's go there. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, it says, Now, if you, it shall be, if you will diligently obey, this is verse 1, the Lord your God, instructions, instructions. We have to learn to follow instructions. We do. Sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't know why. But all you have to do, as long as it's not sin, follow instructions. God's not going to ask you to sin. And we can be in unity, you can be in unity in your, in your household, as long as they're not asking you to sin. You see, you, you just take, take Isaac. Suppose I say, oh, no, oh, whoa, no, no, no. I see the fire, I see the wood. No, I don't see the lamb. If, until you get a lamb, I'm not going up there with you. <laughs> how many of how many, how many you think your teenagers or your kids would have gone up there with you? And said, well, God's going to provide the son. And then you start tying their hands, <laughs> tying their feet, <laughs> laying them on some wood. <laughs> Come on. There's no, there's no indication that Isaac was screaming, was, was, you know, well, is it? No indications. Unity. Father, whatever you say. Whatever you say, Father. Woo! Don't you wish you had some children like that? <laughs> Whoa, you know? First of all, we have to be like that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Listen to what it says here. It says that if you just obey the Lord, keep his commandments, which I command you today. He said, I'll set you upon high above all the nations. He's talking to his, his people. He's talking to Israel. All these blessings shall come upon you and what? Overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. In other words, hey, I want you to, I want, all I want you to do is keep unity. Keep unity. Unity is so important because I want to bring all the blessings that I have for you upon you, nation of Israel. I, want to, I got so much for you. What do you have for me? Come on, God, tell me what you're going to have for me. He said, okay, let me, let me share with you. Bless you be in the city. Bless you be in the country. Uh, bless you be uh, in Amherst. Bless you be in Bethel. Bless you be when you go out of town. Bless you be when, you, you know, when there's ice on the road. Bless you be. Bless you be your offspring and body. And the, and the produce of your ground, the offspring of your beast, your job, everything will be blessed. Increase of your herd, your young flock will increase. Blessed shall be your basket, your needing. He just blessed, 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 right? Isn't he talking to him about blessings, right? I just put stuff in there that might be mine. I mean, I like that. Blessed be your bank account. Blessed shall be your checkbook. Woo-hoo, I like that. Man, bless it, bless it, bless it. He said, the Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you are uh, to be defeated before you, and they shall come out against you one way, and they shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command. Can the Lord command blessings? Yeah, he can command blessings. He can, he can command the birds. He can command the fish. 
He can command anybody he wants to, all of his creation, under God's command. He said, this, this is intangible stuff, blessings. How do you command blessings? Because blessings are not birds, blessings are not fish, blessings are not people. How do you command blessings? You can't see no blessings. How do you command blessings? God says, I'll command blessings to come upon you. I said, woohoo. In your bonds and in all that you put your hand to. Everything you put your hand to. I don't care what you put your hand to. I'm going to bless it, he says. He says, he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Wow. Verse 11 said, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your beasts and in the produce of your ground and in the land and the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good storehouse. The heavens to give rain because they were an agricultural community. And if you have a business, oh my goodness, he said he he will he will just command blessings. Man, he he'll command people just buy your stuff, buy buy your product. Oh man, he was he can command this stuff, can you? This is if we are in unity with him. Adam missed it. Adam missed it. If he had only obeyed. We don't want to miss it, do we? We don't want to miss it. We really don't. God has a lot of blessings for us. Now, if we, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Let's go there. Verse 16. It just tells us here that, but I say walk in the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, what God is trying to tell us is that we had to walk in the Spirit of God. See, back in the Old Testament, they didn't, have, they didn't have the ability to do what God says to do. Even though he expected them to do it. He expected them to do it. Because he knew that they couldn't do it. But in order to bring about the salvation for all nations and for Israel, for everybody to be the same, everybody has to come to him the same way then we have to have some laws so that you'll see you can't obey the laws. You can't, you can't get in the kingdom with works. I don't care how good you think you are. You can't get in. You can only get in by grace. And that's what he's telling us in the New Testament is that I have put my spirit within you. You need to walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because once you, let's go to, Rome, let's go to uh, Romans. Let's go back there. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 1. Let's go there. Because once you get born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. And it says here that, therefore, there is now, verse 1, chapter 8, Romans, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation, none, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus now, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You don't have to worry about law. You don't have to try to try to do uh, uh, too good a shoes, too 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 good, good good a shoes thing. You don't have to try to do all this stuff because you are in Christ Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You are born again, saint, and He expects you to now walk in the Spirit. See, we can obey God, whereas they couldn't. We can obey God. 
We don't have any excuse for not receiving all that God has for us. None. But we have to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And next week, what we want to talk about is, oh, if it were that simple, then everybody would be great. We'll all be achieving what God wants to achieve. But we know that's not true, isn't it? It's not true. We're not there. There's still now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that Israel is still his covenant people. We know that. We know that. But there are consequences for them not receiving Jesus Christ when he came. They missed their hour. But, of course, that was on purpose, God. I mean, for us to get in, they had to miss it. But God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has order. And we want to talk about, and I'll probably have a guest up here uh, to, to help a little bit next week maybe, uh, uh, to, to help you. How can we really walk in this thing now? Because cause I see, I want this, man. I want this. I understand how important, how important unity is, oneness with God is, one with each other. I, I understand that. I understand now a little bit why he, he wants that, because he wants everything that comes. He is a God of purpose. He's a God of order. He put everything in order. And if you're out of order, it's going to cause consequences. I understand that, but how do I do it? Help me. How do we do this thing so we won't keep, you know, going around the wilderness? Do we want to go around 40 times the same, see the same scenery? I don't, want to, I don't want to see the same scenery. How do we do it? And then we end up with the, the glue that holds it all together, love. And, and not only holds it together, it makes it work. Nothing works without love. Faith doesn't even work without love. Faith works by love. Let's stand. Do you, do, you, do you understand that God wants you to have everything he has for you? Do you understand that God is a God of purpose? He's a God of order? He is. And without purpose, without order, we cannot be in unity. We don't understand it. We've got to go along with his purpose. We've got to go along with his order. And if, I'm going to tell you, if we get it right now, these five messages, if we get it right, 2014 will be a year like you've never had before. It'll be a year like you never had before. You say, well, uh, I've had some good years. It'll be a year like you've never had before because you have, you have not, you have not walked in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. I mean, I just know that. I haven't. You know, we, we, we just haven't, we have, we're not there. We quote it. It's good. Sounds good. And we even write off, oh, that was for the, that was for the nation. Of Israel. That wasn't even for the church. You know? Yeah, we're on a better covenant. But I'm telling you, God wants us to walk in things because he wants us to be a testimony to the world of his goodness. We're supposed to really be making Jews jealous. We're supposed to be making the Jews jealous. And we're supposed to be making them just because they, they're saying, you know, I mean, you, you're just Gentiles. I mean, you know, you're not even in the covenant. You know, we are God's people. We are the chosen people. Uh, 
I understand that. Uh, but all of us are chosen. You know, he chose me too. So therefore, and, and I'll show you that God is good and that he loves the Gentiles just like he loved Israel, the Jews. He, we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And let, let me show you what the church can do. Do you know the church is supposed to be showing the Jews that our God, not their God, our God is an awesome God. Our God is a God. We're supposed to be walking in all that the Jews say they, 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 they was, was pronounced on them to walk in. We're supposed to be walking in it. But I don't know whether we are doing yet what we want to do. I say if we get this thing right, we're going to walk in it. Because I, I, I just, I just, I know whom I have believed, and I know this word is true. I know if he said to Abraham, because you just obeyed my voice, then this is what I'm going to do for you. I know that he told Israel that if you would do this, this is what I'm going to do. I know he's told us what we're supposed to do, and I know that we do it. I know we're going to get all that he says we're supposed to get. Because we have him in us, and I know all he wants to do is get out. <laughs> get out and into this world and do his thing. And stop being, you know, uh, it's like a, a water hose that, you know, it, you know, you turn the water on, and, and there's a hole, there's another hole, and nothing, nothing come out this end because it's, it's going out everywhere else. It's leaking. We want to we plug up this hole. One of the holes he wants us to plug up in 2014 is unity. Okay? Unity. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.